As a pastor, and I also teach philosophy and ethics at a school here in town, people often ask me if I ever doubt my faith. And the honest answer is not often, but there are times in which I wonder about some of the miracles that are hard to explain or some passages in Scripture that just seem to be a mystery to me. But there is one doctrine in the Bible that I have zero doubt about that seems quite evident, at least to me, and that is that we all sin. I don't know how anyone could argue with that. I mean, not just you, but me. And I feel guilt and shame as well as sinning. Okay, end of sermon. (laughs) No. Mark Lasky. Uh, was born in 1915 to a family of intellectuals. She actually was one of the authors for the Oxford Dictionary. But she was also a committed atheist. She hated Christians, and she hated Christianity. But in a vulnerable moment, she said this, that what I envy most about you Christians is your forgiveness. I have nobody to forgive me. What a statement. I have nobody to forgive me. Now, Lasky acknowledges what I think just seems apparent, that we sin and we need forgiveness. Forgiveness is indeed a pretty unique nature of uh, Christianity, if you think about it. Uh, It is a, a feature that is not often in other religions. In fact, in a convention of comparative religions in Britain a while back that C.S. Lewis attended. They were kind of debating about anything that was unique about Christianity. And C.S. Lewis said, well, that's easy. He said, it's grace. See, every other religion has an eightfold path, uh, you know, codes of laws, steps to attain God's favor. But authentic forgiveness by a perfectly righteous God that is something truly extraordinary. It's hard to argue with. I mean, forgiveness only makes sense if there are real offenses that have been committed. Forgiveness only makes sense if there really is sin, right? I mean, if people doubt that there's sin, I doubt whether they ever had children. (laughs) They never visited a jail. Or maybe they never talked to a family that's been ravaged by an affair. I mean, the pride and the arrogance that exists in our personal experience, including my own and from my own heart, it faces us with the reality that there is something wrong in the human experience. If sin really exists, then a moral order is in place so that we can distinguish between what's good and what is truly morally wrong. I mean, even the hardcore atheist has to acknowledge that and has a hard time admitting, you know what, there's really nothing wrong about rape, raping a child. That's just, you know, a conventional thing. No, pretty much everybody you talk to will acknowledge there's something really wrong about that. There's something really wrong about racism. 
I mean, there are things that it doesn't matter what your religion, whether you believe in God or not, you say, that is wrong. It just shouldn't be that way. I mean, most people don't have a problem acknowledging that other people are doing something wrong, but the sticky point is seeing whether we ourselves are guilty of sin. I mean, if we sin, we need forgiveness, and that's God's department. There was a man who was in the business of killing Christians, and he confronted this issue once when he came face-to-face with Jesus. He later talked about how God is revealed to mankind through their conscience, and in other words, acknowledging that there really is a moral order to the universe. And he says this, he said, they know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. There's something in the world that I recognize that God has put there that there's something really wrong. John White was an author and uh, doctor, and while he was in residency, he missed a practicum, and he was to make it up uh, by going to a clinic. And when he arrived at the clinic, he realized that he was in the back of a line of a bunch of patients who had contracted a venereal disease. So he barged up in front of the line, and he told the head nurse, I need to see a doctor. She said, that's what everybody says. Now get in line. And he goes, but I'm a medical student. She said, I don't care how you got the disease, get back in line. (laughs) Finally, he was able to get through to her why he was there. I mean, many people surmise that they don't belong in the VD line. I mean, I don't belong in the rape line. I don't belong in the murder line. So therefore, I haven't really sinned. Well, how about the pride line? How about the arrogance line? How about the lust line? How about the line that looks at what's in the human heart? Jesus said, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, and later these are what defile a person. I mean, when we consider these things are an offense to a holy God, how can anybody deny the existence of sin and that me, you, We've sinned. There's not a person in here who hasn't felt guilt and shame. And I would submit that that many times that does relate to a real moral order in the universe that God has put there. Now, when we do experience God's forgiveness, we face the consequences of the fact that we have a broken relationship with God and that can only be remedied by what God offers through his son, Jesus Christ. But if we don't face our forgiveness that God provides in Christ, then we're in a hard way. The Bible says it's appointed unto men to die once, and after that comes judgment. Jonathan Edwards was the pastor of North Hampton, a church in Northampton, Massachusetts. And he was actually became president of one of the Ivy League schools, one of the first presidents. He preached a sermon that was called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And apparently he wasn't a very good speaker, just a, had a, a very high-pitched, shrill voice. You know, not the fire-breathing kind of, you know, yelling, screaming kind of guy. Wasn't that way. Actually, very much an intellectual. But he was talking about the consequences 
in eternity of not experiencing God's forgiveness. And the people found it so overwhelming that in the middle of the service, they were begging, wailing, crying on their knees for him to stop. It was so overwhelming. I mean, we could argue all night long about what eternity has for us and what all that is going to look like, and theologians do that. But it seems clear to me that God has made a world that has a moral order, that we have all broken that, and God is certainly justified in rendering a guilty verdict and corresponding punishment for every person on the face of the earth. It seems forgiveness is the need of the hour. The reason God sent Jesus was to position us to experience the forgiveness of God. Listen to these passages. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Without forgiveness from God, no disguise can keep us from feeling the full effects of our sin. One unknown author said this, that if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need would have been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need is forgiveness, so God has sent us a savior. If I could convey one thing to the couple who is in the midst of a broken marriage, to people who are at an impasse relationally, folks experiencing profound hurt and disappointment, it would be the idea that God forgives us and that is the platform on which we can forgive others. You see, only those who are forgiven are in a position to forgive others. And I believe that the forgiveness is the most supernatural manifestation of the human experience. Think about it. I mean, if I had a blind person here, and I laid hands on that person, and that person could see, or I had a person over here who was forgiven of their sin, which is the most supernatural? In fact, Jesus said the reason he heals that person is so you can see what happens to this person that they are forgiven, and that's amazing. It's the most supernatural manifestation of the human experience. And here's the thing. A lot of Christians don't even know that because they don't live in light of it, because they still live with the guilt of sin and have never really come to grips with that reality. According to the latest medical and psychological research, forgiving is good for your souls and your bodies. Get this. People who forgive benefit from better immune functioning and lower uh, blood pressure, 
have better mental health than people who do not forgive, feel better physically, have lower amounts of anger and fewer symptoms of anxiety and depression, maintain more satisfying and lasting relationships. Michael McCullough of the National Institute of Healthcare Research says this, when we allow ourselves to feel like victims or sit around dreaming up how to retaliate against people who have hurt us, these thought patterns take a toll on our minds and bodies. This past week, I was meeting with our life group, which is we have small groups in our church that meet together. We share a meal and just kind of, you know, do life together. And we, we were uh, talking around the, the group, and uh, I shared about a couple of events in which people had said stupid and hurtful things to me. And it wasn't until after the meeting was over, I kind of was reflecting on it, and it occurred to me that I had a little perverse pleasure in telling those stories. And that I had not completely forgiven those two individuals. So after confessing my unforgiveness, I can say my heart was much lighter. <laughs> forgiveness does that. Leonardo da Vinci was one of the most outstanding intellects and artists in human history. And before he commenced his work for The Last Supper, he had a violent quarrel with a fellow painter. And so enraged and bitter was da Vinci that he decided that for the person of Judas, he would place that painter's face there <laughs> on the painting. We laugh because we can relate, right? Because I'm such a good painter, that's why I can relate. And it wasn't until he was trying to paint the face of Jesus and nothing was happening. It was just like, you know, one of those blocks. And he realized that it was because of this unforgiveness in his own heart that prohibited him from seeing Jesus clearly. You cannot have a fresh imprint of Jesus in your heart and mind and also hold on to unforgiveness. Jesus is our advocate to receive forgiveness. He does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. To be reconciled to God. To be the recipient of God's forgiveness. The question is, are we going to allow him to be our advocate to pardon us of our sin? It's a true story. In the year of 1829, a Philadelphia man by the name of George Wilson he committed robbery, and in so doing, he also killed somebody in the process. He was arrested, brought to trial, found guilty, and sentenced to be hanged. Some people intervened on his behalf and were finally able to obtain a pardon for him from President Andrew Jackson. But when he was informed of this, George Wilson refused his pardon. Get this. An appeal was sent to President Jackson, and perplexed, he sent it to the Supreme Court, and the Chief Justice Marshall ruled that a pardon is a piece of paper, the value of which depends on its acceptance by the person who's implicated. I mean, can you imagine a person sentenced to death and refuses the pardon? So you know what happened? He was executed, with the pardon still laying on the desk of the sheriff. 
Amazing. We have a pardon available for us. It is not obtained through joining a church. It's not obtained by being baptized. It's not obtained by being in the right denomination. It's obtained by receiving a free gift that God offers us through his son, Jesus Christ, who died for our sins. And by faith, we say that what he did on that cross is applicable to me, and I receive complete forgiveness because of it. Listen to the story of one of our own, Jason George, a person here at Christ Community Church, as he shares his own need for forgiveness. It's powerful. Today we celebrate the greatest miracle that provides the forgiveness of our sin, and that is the resurrection of Christ. It's because of this that we read in 1 Corinthians, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we don't read much about Jesus raising his voice in the Bible, but there's a couple instances in which it says that he raised his voice or he shouts. One of those was a friend of his who had died, Lazarus, and he went to raise him from the dead, and the scripture says that he, with a loud voice, told Lazarus to get up. Death deserves to be shouted at. I want to submit to you today that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is God shouting to us that your pardon is available and that we can be forgiven of our sin. There is somebody to forgive us, and his name is Jesus Christ. Let's pray.